Election season, and the lies are flying. He's going to suspend election. He's going to put people in gas chambers. He's going to turn off the internet. He's going to lock up his political opponents. Meanwhile, he is facing a possibility of spending the rest of his life in prison for things we've seen video evidence proving that FBI agents were the instigators of for political gain. And the press? Give me a break. So where do you turn to get the real story? You turn to TNN. The Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. You know how sad that is? Think about what Pete Moss just said in that introduction. We have to turn to outside media to get facts. We can't trust the government and what they tell us. We can't trust mainstream media and what they tell us. And then they go on and on and on again and again and again, doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down on the lies they told us in the first place. And it's so obvious today that big media coordinates with who? Well, they coordinate with the Democrats in power in the government and other big media outlets. It's all a concerted effort to keep you and I from seeing and knowing and understanding the facts of what's really going on in Washington, D.C. I hate to start a show like that, but it's so applicable every day now. We have stories, legitimate stories, about very important things that come out. What kind of things? Just look around you. Listen to what you have heard and seen over the last weeks about Oh, I don't know, the southern border bill that's not a southern border bill at all. It's an open borders plan to turn the United States into just one member of a political state that encompasses the entire world. They're not even trying to hide that now. Call it a one-world government. Call it globalism, whatever you want to call it by the name. But it's still the same thing. And they're not even trying to hide the purposes, the process, or keep anything from us now on that regard. In fact, what they're doing is they feel strongly they've got a hold on everything in our government. They took it away from we the people. And they, when they get that hold, if they don't have it yet, they are going to rule the world and forget about freedom, forget about democracy, that they keep railing about Donald Trump's going to destroy it. Joe Biden's right in the midst of his process to destroy our democracy. Think about it. He rejects the rule of law. He rejects constitutional law. He rejects telling the truth. He flaps his finger, his middle finger, in the face of the U.S. Supreme Court when they send down a, a verdict on a case and tell the President of the United States, you don't have authority to do that. That authority belongs solely in the U.S. House of Representatives in Congress. Joe Biden laughs about it, and he goes right back and does another exact same thing. Does that sound to you like constitutional leadership? And then he signs executive orders that bypass Congress once again, their constitutional duties, the Constitution makes it very clear, the House and the Senate are the only places this stuff can come from, and he ignores it. And he signs an executive order, 
and his minions just go do it. Forget about the rule of law. Forget about doing things the right way. Forget about the United States of America. We need to come up for another name for this thing that Biden and his fellow globalist sycophants are pushing to turn the United States into, and they almost have us there. Wow. Well, folks, good morning to you all. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of TNN Live. We're going to have a big day. All right, here we go. Here we go. Play, 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 and the haters gonna hate, 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 baby. 
song she wrote shake it off would sound like that it is such a better version than the original by taylor swift that's tim akers and the smoking section it's a uh, backup band studio band that has been in nashville for a number of number of years and sadly i've got a bunch of the songs that uh, tim akers arranged and with his band put together Suddenly, he passed away a few months ago. What a great loss. Anyway, Taylor Swift, she's headed to Nevada. (laughs) She's headed to the big game this weekend. Do you think maybe the NFL is getting a little bit tired of Taylor Swift dominating all their television shows? It's supposed to be concentrated on what? On football, on the NFL, and everybody that's within the NFL. But man... Her relationship with the great tight end from Kansas City, it has sure spiced up the NFL, and I think they understand they're getting a lot of really good publicity with her being there. And every game she's at, every KC game, she's been there. And man, they flip that camera up to show her in that suite every time there's a score, her tight end buddy gets big play done. I guess any any news about you, no matter who you are, if you're in the public eye, any news about you, even bad news sometimes, it's good news because people are noticing you. Well, that plays too over in the world of politics. Did you know, speaking of Nevada, there was yesterday a primary in Nevada, presidential primary in Nevada. Now, Donald Trump's name wasn't on that ballot. He wasn't. On the other side, Joe Biden was on the ballot, and he won in a big way, which is pretty much meaningless. Nevertheless, guess who got shown the door? Nikki Haley. Former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley lost the Republican primary Who did she lose to? Have you not heard this story yet? This is a real humdinger. I couldn't pass on it. I had to bring it to you. She lost to somebody's name who wasn't even on the ballot. Details. 
time for the hot topic of the hour. An upset for Nikki Haley in Nevada last night, losing the primary to no one. Almost 63% of Republican primary voters selected none of these candidates instead of selecting Haley. Her campaign tra- team trying to soften the blow. Watch. We have not spent a dime nor an hour of energy on Nevada. We made the decision early on that we were not going to pay $55,000 to a Trump entity that, you know, to participate in a process that was rigged for Trump. Former President Trump's name was not on the Nevada primary ballot. Instead, he will take part in the caucuses tomorrow. President Biden, meanwhile, took the win for the Nevada for Nevada for the Democrat Party. Amber, your reaction? Well, this is a symbolic victory for Trump more than anything else, because, of course, the New Hampshire GOP decided that they were going to have a caucus or excuse me, Nevada GOP decided they were going to have a caucus as opposed to a primary. So she wouldn't be able to win delegates in the primary anyway. Nikki Haley, that is her team. It's kind of funny to hear them complain about fifty five thousand dollars, by the way, considering the millions they spent to come in second and third in Iowa and New Hampshire. Yeah, it's a good point. But look, I mean, this is not nothing. Cheryl, this is twenty six delegates It is twenty six delegates. And to be clear, the voting for nobody on the ballot. It was all a vote for Trump. And by the way, there was a huge push in Nevada by his supporters to do exactly what they accomplished yesterday, because this is a statement that we are for we are for Donald Trump. We are not for Nikki Haley in this state, to yeah. be clear. So I understand why they avoided it. I understand the delegate issue, but at the same time, and look, she never went. So, I mean, I'm, are we surprised? No. But I think it shows you the power of the Trump apparatus at work right now. Because remember, it's not just Donald Trump. It is everybody else that is supporting his campaign. And this does show that there is a very strong game going on yeah, next under, stop, underneath him. Sorry. Next oh. stop, South Carolina. And you wonder um, how many losses Nikki Haley needs to absorb before she realizes this just isn't a productive use of time mm. or money or even for the uh, Republican Party. I mean, right, she lost double digits in Iowa, then New Hampshire. Now we're finding Nevada and it's about to be uh, South Carolina. The fact also that she didn't spend a dime or that her campaign didn't spend a dime in Nevada. How insulting yeah. to anyone who lives in Nevada. The, the other big story you mentioned, the Republican Party. Uh, sources tell me that former President Trump asked Ronna McDaniel to step down right after after my interview with the president uh, last week, as the RNC is struggling financially and has not done anything to uh, prove that they are doing something to ensure a fair and free election this November, President Trump told me Sunday changes are coming to the RNC, and I'm told that the president acted right after our interview, asking Ronna to step down. Here's President Trump with me on Sunday. Watch. The RNC doesn't seem to be so strong. I mean, the Democrats have all the money. Look at what we see. We get the Democrats actually uh, with the money and and uh, spending it. The RNC seeking credit lines. The RNC reported its lowest bank balance at the point in any year in 2016. Comerica says the Michigan GOP defaulted on a loan of half a million dollars. So I have a lot of money, and the money that they get, people are not looking at the RNC. They want. They want changes. I, you have to understand, I have nothing to do with the RNC. I don't, I'm separate. How's Ronna McDaniel doing? Uh, I think she did great when she ran Michigan for me. I think she did okay initially in the RNC. I would say right now, uh, there'll probably be some changes made. 
when those changes are being made. Now, the RNC says nothing has changed and that this will be decided after South Carolina. But, Cheryl, the writing's on the wall. It yeah. appears uh, Ronna McDaniel is out after South Carolina. There is a large chorus of Republicans, powerful ones and everyday Republicans, that are ready to see Ronna McDaniel go. In particular, let's go back to 2022 and the red wave that became a red puddle and that a lot of blame goes on her because she didn't support and financially to your point with with Donald Trump financially did not support a lot of down ballot races she made a lot of mistakes and she takes a lot of the blame for 2022 now, to, to her credit she did say recently President Trump is going to be the candidate and that's that's the bottom line even while you know Nikki Haley is still there fighting another day uh, but apparently, uh, you know, I had a line of questioning for the president uh, about the RNC and he didn't have a lot of answers in terms of what the RNC is doing ahead of the November election, Amber. That's right. And a lot of outside groups have actually taken up that cause of trying to secure elections because right. they feel the RNC hasn't been doing enough. And by the way, one of the reasons Ron has been able to survive this long is because of Trump's help with fundraising. It was that joint fundraising committee that led to so much of the RNC's influx of cash. As soon as their finances were separated, she proved that she wasn't up to it. Yeah. What do you think? RNC needs to focus on local races that are winnable so that uh, Republicans can get back to uh, having majorities in both houses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Do you hear the irony in what they just said? We're deep into this presidential race already. I mean, it doesn't come for months. I mean, what is it? We're in uh, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. We're nine months away from an election. But we are already up to our eyeballs in presidential election stuff every day, 24-7. It's everywhere. And to keep pace with the United States people, keep them in knowing what's going on in your campaign. Where are you going? What are you doing? What are you saying while you're there? you got to spend money. And to win the presidency now, the price tag for that, is over $1 billion of spending. That's unimaginable. I don't think our forefathers ever saw, envisioned any kind of election process like we're living in right now. They'd all roll over in their graves if they heard what I just said. It's costing now a billion dollars to win a presidency. A billion with a B. That's incomprehensible to most of us. Well, how long do you think Nikki Haley's going to stay in? I think probably after what she saw last night in Nevada. She wasn't there. She didn't go and all of that, but she still expected her name recognition and what Americans, especially Nevadans, have seen from her in Iowa and in New Hampshire and then after New Hampshire. They draw their own conclusions about her. I have never been a Nikki guy. I, I, I can't even tell you why specifically. There are dozens of reasons. She just doesn't settle in my spirit with me. And it's almost like she's up for sale. And whoever gives her a dollar to campaign with, she's going to be your buddy. She's going to prop up your causes. Several of the big Democrat mega donors actually gave her millions of dollars in her campaign. Now, why would they do that? They made it very clear to her, and they made it very clear publicly. 
we're going to support her because we think she can beat Donald Trump and we don't want Donald Trump back in the White House. The election process, maybe a long time ago, it was a free and fair representation about what the majority of Americans felt about who they wanted to serve them in every area of our government in D.C. It used to be totally about that. Now, everything about elections is so convoluted. There's so much power. There's so much control at stake that everybody wants a piece of the process and wants to control a bigger piece of the process than ever has been done. Why? Because when you get elected to federal office at that level, Congress and, of course, the White House, when you get there, the big, big bonus always is power. Power over government and then power over the people through the government. And that's worth billions to a lot of these people. These people represent huge corporations. They're campaign donors to their campaigns. They're obligated. They don't like to admit it, but they are. Rush Limbaugh, he put it so succinctly years ago. He was being rushed to run for federal office probably 15, 20 years ago. And when the people, the ones that were the big shots in the Republican Party at that time, they came to him and said, we want to draft you. We want you to run for office. He looked at them and cheesed. And here was his explanation for saying no. He told them no. And he said, here's why. My nature is that I appreciate people and what they do. So if I take $10,000, $100,000, a million dollars from anybody during a political campaign for an office that I'm running for, if and when I get elected, and my phone rings, and it's the person that gave me the big check needing a favor. He said, because of human nature and my nature, I'm going to feel obligated to take the call, to listen to them, and try to find a way to legally help them out. And he said, it's just not worth it. It's not worth it. He said, he could, at that time, he said, I can do more doing what I'm doing now for the American people than I could if I was in office. I would eternally be distracted by all of these tugs against me, people wanting something. And their justification always is. They won't come out and say it. But what it always is, you know that big check I wrote to you last time you ran? Well, guess what? That's the world we live in today, don't doubt it. On another note, Did you hear what came out yesterday in New York City? And it wasn't about illegal immigration. This one just blew me away. The Department of Justice, the U.S. DOJ, they announced yesterday they have indicted 70, 70 current and previous New York City Housing Authority employees. And they're indicting them for corruption-related charges. 70 federal bribery indictments were the most ever brought in one day in the history of the Department of Justice, with the department arresting 66%, excuse me, 66 of the defendants yesterday morning across four different states. They're accused of accepting money from contractors in return for doling out lucrative no-bid contracts with the city. 
NYCHA is the biggest public housing authority in the nation, offering housing to one out of every 17 New York City residents through 335 different developments. The U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development gives that organization, NYCHA, more than a $1.5 billion funding every year. $1.5 billion. It's a lot of money to give any city. You got to admit that. Instead of acting in the interest of this NYCHA residence, the city of New York, or really taxpayers, the 70 defendants charged allegedly using their jobs to line their own pockets. That came from U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, Damian Williams. This action is the largest single-day bribery takedown in the history of the DOJ. NYCHA residents deserve better than this. My office, now this is the federal attorney for the Southern District of New York, he said, my office is firmly committed to cleaning up the corruption that has plagued the NYCHA for far too long so that its residents can be served with integrity and have the high-quality affordable homes that they deserve. The culture of corruption ends today. Now, the 70 employees were all NYCHA employees when they allegedly sought and secured cash for these contracts. They were selling the contracts. We'll give you the contract if you give us a little juice. So how did they do it? Well, it involves soliciting these contractors to make upfront payments And if they made the upfront payments as they were agreed to, they would get the contracts or making the contractors complete the job to get their payment from NYCHA, usually asking for 10 to 20% of the contract value, which fell within the range of $500 to $2,000. Certain defendants asked for an even higher percentage, according to the DOJ. Here's a quote. In total, these defendants demanded over $2 million in corrupt payments from contractors in exchange for awarding over $13 million worth of non-bid contracts. Many of the defendants could face a decade or more in prison. NYCHA has zero tolerance for wrongful and illegal activity. The CEO of that organization, Lisa Bova-Hyatt, told the Daily Caller News Foundation that. The individuals allegedly involved in these acts put their greed first. They violated the trust of our residents, their fellow NYCHA colleagues, and all New Yorkers. These actions are counter to everything we stand for as public servants and will not be tolerated in any form. Question. How much of this has been going on way, way before this year and last year? How many years? How many decades? New York City, the commercial building industry, is corrupt. Always has been. That's one reason why Donald Trump did such a good job in his four years in the White House. He came from that. He knew it inside and out. Every part of it, he knew who all the players were in commercial real estate and building. And he knew how to play the game and talk the lingo. And they respected him for it. Folks in New York, 
that have been there for a long time that are in the construction business, in the commercial real estate business, they all make it very clear. One thing Donald Trump did not do in his businesses in New York City, he would not give a bribe, wouldn't take a bribe. If his goods and services weren't sufficient to get a gig, he didn't want it. That doesn't sound like uh, anything a president of the United States would ever do. I mean, Washington, D.C., nobody can credibly say that it's not in the tank, that it's not top to bottom quid pro quo. You want something I've got, you give me something I want that you've got. That's the way it happens. That's the way life flows. Let me step to the side just a second and tell you a neat little thing that happened. We have two, we have six grandchildren, four boys, and two twin girls. Our youngest daughter and her husband, Scott and Corey, they have the twins, Grace and Emmeline. They're not identical twins, but they're twins. And of the two, they both play high school soccer, and they're both pretty good. Grace is exceptional. She signed a college con- contract that she's going to play at East Texas Baptist University next season. Emmeline, it's still up in the air, but they're both good soccer players. They have been in the Louisiana State playoffs, and they played their second playoff game last night in New Orleans, Yeah. If you know anything about geography, Shreveport is in the extreme northwest corner of the boot, the state of Louisiana, and New Orleans is 350 miles away down southeast. So we made a journey yesterday and into the night. We got home in the wee hours of the morning, and then I had prayer meeting at 6 a.m. this morning. So I've been awake a while, but I am loaded for bear, but the good thing is they played one of the better teams in the state. They beat that good team from New Orleans, by the way. So these people were playing at home. Seven to one, Evangel Christian Academy, the girls' soccer team, beat that team down in New Orleans last night. Seven to one. And the really good piece that came out of that is the granddaughter that has signed to play at ETBU scored five of those seven goals. So all our grandkids and a bunch of their friends, they call Marianne Nani, they call me Poppy. And I can tell you this, Nani and Poppy are proud grandparents today. They play their next game early next week, back in New Orleans. They're two games away from playing for the championship. That's kind of cool. And I've never been a big hockey fan. And uh, Hockey, I said hockey. I'm not a real big hockey fan either, but soccer fan. And you know why? I'm from football. I actually owned a couple of different arena football teams. And I love those because they're much faster than the outdoor game. And the scores go out the wazoo. One of my teams once performed the only shutout in arena football at that time, 20-year history. We beat a team 55 to nothing, which is unheard of. I don't think it's I don't think a shutout's been accomplished since then. 
but I like high scoring. There's one rule for those of you that know anything about soccer. If whoever is control worldwide of the rules in soccer, if they changed one rule, just one of the game, and they're not going to do it, but it's a, it's a penalty that's called offsides. And it has to do, and it's very subjective as a matter of fact, when there's a breakaway where one person gets the ball and is headed toward their goal to score, you have to wait till one or two members of the opposing team catch up with you before you shoot the ball. So what does that, what does that do? It slows down the game, and it also creates a lot of, ah, you can't do that, you messed up, and you lose the ball. That's why you have lots of soccer games that are in single digits. Most of them are. I've actually seen a nothing-nothing soccer game. That is the most boring game to watch. Maybe they'll figure it out, but they're not going to listen to this fat, bald football guy. They play football, (laughs) F-U-T-B-O-L. Well, there's a lot of other stuff on there, and, and yeah, I did stop to brag about our granddaughters. They're really good, really good people too, good students. Anyway, and as a matter of fact, so are the four grandsons. They're all right here around us. They all live within five or six miles of us, which is a blessing. I know, I know. I have grandparents tell me that all the time. We never get to see our grandbabies. They live so far away, and we get to see ours all the time. And we do get together as an extended family often. And that's really cool, too. Having a big extended family that is close, that's very unusual. But it's worth working for, believe me. Whatever the price is to get it, it's worth paying it, I promise you. So what about all the border stuff going on? While I was driving, listening, reading, paying attention to the news out there, obviously the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas did not happen. It was a one-vote loss. There were four Republicans that voted not to not impeach him. Now, that really upset me because some of the names of the people, I'm not going to get into it. You can look it up for yourself, but the four, they're really good people. They're well-known Republicans, all but one. But one, the last guy that held out for minutes, maybe 10, 15, 20 minutes, there was one vote left to be cast out of 435. Think about that. 15, 20 minutes, one person hadn't voted yet, and they were tied 215 to 215. Ultimately, this guy cast a vote on the behalf of Mayorkas. And that shocked everybody. But it slipped out during the night what the purpose was. There is a rule in Congress. There's a rule in the House. If there is a negative vote on any issue and whoever is in the majority votes against the wishes of their party, that election can be brought up again after the fact, and they don't have to go through the long, drawn-out process to get to where they were to actually have a vote. 
And this lawmaker made it very clear that's why he did it. He did not vote because he wanted Alejandro Mayorkas to remain as Secretary of Homeland Security. So in one way, good for him, but what about the others? Republicans supposedly have a majority in the House of Representatives. Senate has the majority to Democrats. We're going to watch and find out about that later. Some news slipped out overnight that it really shocked me. And it's about Joe Biden. It's about illegal immigration. But listen to this. He cut, Joe Biden cut a secret border deal with Mexico. Now, you say Donald Trump had deals with Mexico. Yeah, he did. But the deals that Trump had immediately and very rapidly led to a real demonstrative spin down of illegals coming across our southern border. And that was the remain in Mexico deal that was brokered by Donald Trump with the president of Mexico. That meant when illegals came across the border into the U.S., they were immediately sent back across the border into Mexico after they made their asylum claim, and they would go back across and stay in Mexico till it was time for their, their plea, their asylum plea, to be heard in the courts in the U.S. Biden's deal, uh, not so much good for us. The number of migrants apprehended along the southwest border with Mexico in January, it fell by more than 50% from the record-shattering report in December. You remember we heard that and everybody was just besides themselves. So following all of the dropping approval ratings for President Biden, campaign people said, we got to do something, Mr. President. You got to do something. They had... Biden officials, he wasn't there, but they had Immigration and Border Security, a meeting between the Mexican president and two administration cabinet members in Biden's camp. Actions taken by the Mexican government led to a drop of more than 125,000 migrant apprehensions last month. Border Patrol agents assigned to the nine different southwest border sectors apprehended just over 124,000 illegals who crossed the border in January between the ports of entry. Now, this is down by more than 50% from the record-shattering 249,785 migrant apprehensions last month. So far this fiscal year, which began on October 1st, agents along the southwest border encountered nearly three-quarters of a million Migrants. U.S. Customs and Border Protection officials, they were asked for more information about the factors that led up to this drop, this massive, unprecedented drop during the Biden administration and these migrant apprehensions. Border Patrol's only response was to cite the historical trend of decreased apprehensions during January. Here's the formal statement they gave. Consistent with historical trends and enhanced enforcement, the first two weeks of January saw an over 50% decrease in southwest border encounters between the ports of entry and according to preliminary numbers. 
The statement ignores, though, efforts taking place in Mexico to round up migrants along its northern border and transport them to central and southern Mexico. Late in December, that brain surgeon in the State Department, he runs it, Antony Blinken, Secretary of State, and Department of Homeland Security Secretary, traveled to Mexico to meet with Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. For short, the Mexican people call him AMLO, A-M-L-O. The article that was published states the Mexican president hinted to the U.S. delegation that he would reduce migrant crossings into the U.S. if Joe Biden provided more aid and support to Latin American dictators. Reports from Mexico indicate AMLO wanted increased support for Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua. So the White House put this out back in December right after the meeting. The two countries reaffirmed their existing commitments on fostering an orderly, humane, and regular migration. This includes reinforcing our partnership to address the root causes of migration, such as poverty, inequality, and violence, and for the two countries' initiative for Cubans, Haitians, Nicaraguans, and Venezuelans. Ongoing cooperation also includes enhanced efforts to disrupt human smuggling, trafficking, and criminal networks, and continuing the work to promote legal instead of irregular migration pathways. Also, both parties in the group agreed on the importance of maintaining and facilitating the vital bilateral trade at our shared border. Now, President Obrador, he highlighted Joe Biden's commitment to pursue regular, orderly, and secure migration, which, as we all know, is simply Joe Biden lip service. Obrador stressed the need to continue diplomatic and political engagement with each other and all other countries in the region as well as investing in very ambitious development programs across the entire hemisphere of the Americas. Both groups underline the efforts that the Biden administration is pursuing through development assistance and humanitarian aid, as well as advancing new private investments across the region. So right after the meeting and that undisclosed agreement between Mexico and the U.S., and by the way, any treaty, classified, any document, any agreed to thing between two countries, especially when one of them is the U.S., it's called a treaty. And guess what has to happen before it can be initiated? It has to be approved by two-thirds of the U.S. Senate. U.S. Senate didn't know anything about this. Joe Biden doesn't care. He is a fascist, wannabe dictator, and he points his finger continually and screams at Donald Trump, saying that Donald Trump supports fascism, authoritarianism, wants to be a dictator. He's going to destroy democracy. This is just one little example of Joe Biden doing exactly what he's saying Donald Trump would do, although Trump did nothing even remotely close to any of this stuff that Biden's doing, certainly not showing that he wants to be a dictator. In his four years, Biden does it every day. It's kind of like 
regular day. I'm going to have bacon, eggs, and sausage. Oh, and I'm going to I'm going to break a, maybe another rule or two that's part of our democracy, but nobody's going to know about it. Mexican law enforcement authorities removed migrants from trains headed from central Mexico to its northern border. These efforts appear to have dramatically impacted border crossings, particularly in Texas. By early this month, the flow of migrants from Piedras Negras, Cojula, to Eagle Pass fell from thousands per day to a mere trickle. An official operating under the umbrella of U.S. Customs and Border Protection said that the efforts by Mexico are not a long-term fix to the problem. The migrants are just being delayed from getting to the border, the source said. The migrants are being moved further south, delaying their efforts to reach their goal of seeking asylum in the U.S. It's all about one thing, and you know what it is before I tell you. It's all about election season. Biden's approval ratings are in the commode, all the way down in the pipe below the commode. And frantically, and we still have all those months left, but frantically, he and his Democrat compadres are panicking. We've got to do something. You've got to get some credibility among the American people. Joe, we're going to have to kick you to the curb. I'm sure they didn't tell him that. But that's what's in the offing. Budweiser presents the world's first star in your own radio commercial. Okay, guys, whenever you hear this sound, insert your name. Hi there. Your name. Sorry I'm late. Sometimes there just aren't enough hours in the day to be a neurosurgeon and a swimwear model. Oh, am I thirsty. How about it? Your name. Got anything tall and cool? Oh, Budweiser long necks, though. Your name. You are so thoughtful. But of course, Bud's the first choice for every occasion. Ah, you know I have a confession to make. If I ever had a son, I'd want to name him. Your name. Oh. Your name. Come here. Now. Mm. Your name. Your name. Your name. Well, you did very well in your first commercial. Have a bud. You've earned it. This bud's for Your name. Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. Great shadow legends. I mean, <laughs> You pick your champions. They're glorious. And their shields, oh, they glisten like... Uh, wet otters but the bad guys they're lovecraftian they're spooky they're um um big and then you go to battle and it's like then finally your foe is vanquished and that satisfaction such a primal feeling Ooh! download raid shadow legends play for free welcome to mcdonald's may i take your order hi can i get a Can I get a... Uh, okay, get in the McDonald's. Ooh, can I get a... Uh, can I get a... Yeah, can uh, I get a... Uh, 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 go, Bubba, go! Uh, 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 pick me! No, pick me! Uh, hey, can I get a... Uh, Ten-piece chicken McNuggets. And what sauce would you like with that? Uh...
I like that song. Some kind of wonderful. I guess that's basically looking at your day every day, and it's not your glass being half empty. It's being half full at its worst, and it might just fill up because you're in a good spirit about things. You know what? That's something we ought to all think about. Every day when we get up, we ought to look at the day and say, you know what? I got a choice to make today, whether I'm going to think about it even before I get into it. But think about it. It's going to be a bad day. It's going to be a bad day. Instead of doing that, say, I am not going to believe that and act like I believe it. I'm going to say in faith, hey, it's all going to work out. It's going to be a good day. At the end of the day, we're going to look back and say, wow, it was even better than I thought it could be. It'll change your whole life if you'll think that way. And you have to click the switch. you got to start that yourself. So it's not just going to happen. Nobody's going to come up and get in your face and say, you got to do it this. you got to believe this. Do it this way. Say this. No, it's got to be something that we initiate ourselves and we are the ones that are sold out to it. And I'm right there. I got hardly any sleep last night. Uh, My car's in the shop. We now have only one car. Marianne's gone. I'm in the studio. (laughs) I could say, oh my gosh, we can't do anything. We're frozen. No, it's all going to work out. Everything's going to work out. It's going to be okay. We need to try to do that during this election season. If you don't, you're going to lose your mind because every day something ugly, new and ugly comes out about the election and the people that are running for office and the people that work for them and the people that are working in the White House that are breaking laws as is their boss almost every day. And if you look at it that way and you just start the day with, oh my God, what am I going to do? You're going to have a bad day. Make a choice. You can choose for it to be good and just make it good. Look for the good things. Don't concentrate on the bad things that happen. There are plenty of others that do that every day. Let them mess with it. So back into some of this stuff going on in Washington. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell. He is, now keep this in mind, he is the minority leader in the U.S. Senate. Minority leader means whichever of the two parties is not in charge. The other side has the most votes. The minority leader is the leader of the side that is down on the low side. They don't have the majority. But he's a Republican. Been in Congress for many, many, many years. Supposed to be a real conservative guy. And then we find out as he gets out and starts doing the stuff that senators do, he's not conservative at all. He was promoting this Joe Biden border security deal. They call it a supplemental. It's just about more money that was to be earmarked for a bunch of different things, not just border security. It included money for Ukraine, lots of money for Ukraine, not so much money for Israel and a bunch of other stuff. But this thing, since Monday, since we first reported it, This bill is getting ripped to pieces, and it seemed like to Democrats it was going to be a sure thing. The Senate was going to get it passed. It would just be a fundamental to ship it across the Capitol to the U.S. House of Representatives, and they would fall in line and vote for it. The exact opposite has happened. 
even people in the Republican Party on both sides, Senate and the House, are dead set against this bill. And some Democrats are against it. So with all of this happening around Mitch, he lost a big, a very significant battle to Donald Trump and his supporters with the collapse of this so-called bipartisan border bill, underscoring how his control of his conference, because he's a minority leader in the Senate, he's over all the Republicans that serve in the Senate. His control of it is increasingly on difficult ground. Maybe he needs to look at his day today and tomorrow as being the glass half empty. He argued to his colleagues last week that this border legislation would crack down on the huge flow of migrants across the border, possibly would be the last chance for years to reform outdated immigration and asylum law. But he faced a big political headwind from guess who? Donald Trump. Trump repeatedly called on every GOP lawmaker to reject any deal that didn't give them everything they wanted. On Monday, Trump declared on social media that only a fool or a radical left Democrat would vote for this horrendous border bill, and he blasted it as a great gift to the Democrats and a death wish for the Republican Party. At the end of it all, McConnell acknowledged they're now, now we're on Wednesday. This all started Monday morning early. He says now there's no path forward for this bill. A turn of events that left serious questions over whether Congress would approve new funding for Ukraine and its war with Russia, which is a key priority for the Senate GOP leader. Mitch is sold out to Ukraine. I don't know why. If you don't know Mitch McConnell, he's a longtime member in Congress from Kentucky. He's married to the daughter of the wealthiest Chinese communist shipbuilder and owner. That's his wife's dad. Do you sense there may be a little bit of uh, conflict going on there? So why is this bill failing? couple of big factors that explain why it's getting to be more difficult for McConnell to steer the Republicans in the Senate in his preferred direction, especially on this bill. He's certainly feeling the absence of longtime allies who have retired from the Senate, could be counted on in the past to get these major bills passed. People like Roy Blunt of Missouri, Rob Portman of Ohio, Richard Shelby, Alabama, Richard Burr, North Carolina, Pat Roberts, Kansas, and Lamar Alexander from Tennessee, they're gone. Mitch can't control these younger guys. They have minds of their own, and they develop their opinions. Guess what built around? The rule of law. Mitch is out there on the edge of it all, and I'll say this. I'll just, I'll just be blunt about it. He's in the tank. He's over the hill. He is outside of representing the people of Kentucky with his decisions on legislation, and he now is looking at everything as what's best for me. How do I know that, Dan? Why would he be doing all the stuff that he's doing, supporting all the Democrat agendas that are out there? Many of these that are gone 
have been replaced with more Donald Trump MAGA-aligned Republicans who won election in the Senate with Trump's backing. The second coming of Trump, by the way, Trump has repeatedly, he just had a war with McConnell on all kinds of issues, now seems certain to be his party's presidential nominee this fall, is another big problem for Mitch McConnell. Since Senate Republicans started working on that border deal, they started this thing that only came out over this past weekend. They started back in early October. Since they started this, Trump has steadily grown his support within the Senate GOP conference. At least 30 Republican senators have formally endorsed his presidential campaign. The senators most aligned with Trump are also the most vocal in criticizing McConnell. There's a rift there now. Two first-term lawmakers, Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio and Eric Schmidt of Missouri, who won, both of them did, with Trump's endorsement in 2022. They took the lead in bashing Mitch McConnell and this security deal yesterday. Vance said the leadership really screwed this up, said that at a midday press conference. I think they made a series of political arguments that were never going to fly. They knew, or at least they should have known, that the bill was never actually going to get there. J.D. Vance, by the way, who replaced one of those other very conservative senators, Portman, Vance slammed this bill as a Ukraine-first bill masquerading as a border security bill. Certainly on the Ukraine question, he said, I think leadership is massively out of touch with Republican voters. We're not, as a Republican party, behind unlimited, unaccounted for aid to Ukraine without any goals in mind. Schmidt, who replaced one of those other guys, old-timers, Roy Blunt in Missouri, he argued the language of the bill is actually worse than anyone could have possibly imagined. He called it a total disaster, urged his Republican colleagues to vote against advancing it on the floor. Ted Cruz, he appeared in this press conference yesterday next to Vance Schmidt and GOP Senators Mike Lee of Utah, Ron Johnson of Wisconsin, and Roger Marshall of Kansas. They all called for McConnell to step down from his leadership post in the Senate, minority leader. I think a Republican leader should actually lead the conference and should advance the priorities of Republicans, he added. Well, that was a shot against McConnell. McConnell, he pushed and worked with Democrats to make this thing come to pass. And it's a piece of crap. It'll give away everything. It will give all authority a decision time. When it comes time to make a decision on any of the integral pieces of this, which are supposedly coming with trigger points, if we get this, We'll do this. If this many come into the country, we'll shut it down. All that kind of stuff. But the fine print in it all says at the last moment, Alejandro Mayorkas and President Joe Biden can say what they want to say and do what they want to do. I guess they thought nobody was going to see that. Mike Johnson, a close Trump ally, friend of this show, my congressman, 
now House Speaker, he shut the door on passing a $118 billion defense supplemental spending bill with border reforms, tacitly acknowledging Trump's grip on the party, particularly his grip on the House. All of that put together has doomed the bill. It looks to me and to most of our members as if we have no real chance here to make a law, McConnell told reporters yesterday. Things have changed over the past four months. It's been made perfectly clear by the Speaker he wouldn't take it up even if we sent it to him. McConnell's two top dudes, Senate Republican Whip John Thune of San Diego. Where did that come from? I looked at his name. It's SD, South Dakota. I'm sorry, Senator. McConnell said, Thune said Tuesday there wouldn't be enough Republican votes later in the week to even begin debate on the bill. I would expect that the motion to proceed to the bill will fail. I think they're going to have that later today. McConnell deployed his usual tactics to get the border bill passed through the Senate. He tapped a very credible, formerly credible intermediary, Senator James Langford, a Republican from Oklahoma, to extract significant concessions from Democrats. And he got the White House to engage in the talks. The resulting bill picked up key endorsements, including from the National Border Patrol Council, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and the Wall Street Journal's editorial board. So you heard me say an endorsement from the National Border Patrol Council. Why would they? They're the ones that are whining the most, screaming and hollering the loudest about What's happening to us with this bill? It's changing everything about our government. It's changing the face of the nation. What's going on with it? Well, guess what? Let me tell you what's going on with it. People have found it now. You wouldn't release it for months because you didn't want it to get into mainstream conservative media and for people like they named this person, Sean Hannity. They did not want, they specifically said, don't let this get into Sean Hannity's hands because he'll excoriate it and us, which is exactly what happened. And you know what? should have happened. It should have happened. And uh, it's beyond me sometimes why things that are in the laps of the people that we sent to Washington, D.C., that should be up there doing only one thing, one thing, working for you. If it's your congressman or congresswoman, if it's your senator, dadgummit, you want to give them what you think they should and what you want them to support and what not to support. They're called representatives, not representatives of Joe Biden or any political party, representative of the people that elected them to go to D.C. and to vote the wishes of those people back home. They just don't get it, do they? Talking with you, not at you. Intelligent Conversation. TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto. 
Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine, and the drive, yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. We don't tell you what to think, but we give you truth to think about. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. TruthNewsNet.org. So what do you think is really happening at the White House. I'm not talking about what they say is happening. What do you think is really going on in this administration? Yesterday, from the White House, Joe Biden got up and he talked about this border deal. He says that bill that was put together by Senators James Lankford from Oklahoma, Chris Murphy from Connecticut, Kirsten Sinema from Arizona, He said this, what I'm about to tell you. He said it is only a precursor to ramming amnesty for millions of illegal aliens through Congress. Did you get that? He admitted it's just merely a precursor to ramming amnesty for millions of illegals through Congress. This was in an address from the White House yesterday. He praised the Senate bill that would expand overall immigration to the U.S. by codifying his parole pipeline that has already freed hundreds of thousands of border crossers into the nation's interior. Most of we have no idea where they are, but they're in the amnesty pipeline. Now, what is that? According to the law, you know, that thing that Democrats fail to even consider anymore, when an illegal comes across the border, and they go to a border agent or they're confronted or whatever and they're taken into custody, they go process them. If they claim that their purpose for coming into the United States was for amnesty, it was to get out of their country where they were in some type of imminent danger. They don't have to present any evidence to prove that. They're supposed to, but in the Biden administration, all they do is wave you on by. This bill would increase legal immigration as well. Even as Biden has driven our foreign-born population, now it's at nearly 50 million. Notice I didn't say citizens. Most of these, almost all of these 50 million are illegal immigrants still. That should scare all of us. Biden said the bill, however, is just a stepping stone to Democrats in the business lobby's ultimate goal 
Amnesty for most of the 22 million illegal aliens residing in the U.S. Now, what comes with amnesty? You know what it is. They're going to wave their wand and make them here legally, then make them citizens, and with that, guess what happens? They get the right to vote, and guess what happens then? All of these illegals that have come in here, when Biden's crew makes them legal, gives them the right to vote, they're going to demand because we're the party that got you here. You're owing us, and because you're owing us, you got to vote for whoever we tell you to vote for in every election going forward. That's all illegal, folks. But illegality means very little to Joe Biden. You know, the number one thing he's afraid of today, I'm not talking about during this time, I'm talking about today. He and his fellow Democrats, and especially those in the White House that work for him, they're horrified because apparently that special prosecutor that was assigned to investigate Joe Biden for his mishandling of classified documents, we are told, and they leak this to us, so you know it's got to be worse than what they leaked. They wanted us to get a little inside scoop before the whole story comes out. There's some nasty stuff coming out in this prosecutor's report about Joe Biden and how he handled all those 1,800 boxes of classified documents. Now, what's the big deal about that, you ask? This all happened before he was elected president. Every one of those classified documents were in the rearview mirror, even looking way, way, way back in his 50-year career in the U.S. Senate. Now, what's the big deal about that, Dan? Every document he had is illegal for him to have. No senator, no vice president has the ability to unfetteredly handle classified documents. They can't do it, and they're doing so is a crime. Now, you put that, what I just told you, which is factual. It's in the Constitution. It's in federal law. You put that in the context of what came out when they announced this. This prosecutor is going, he's preparing a report on what he discovered in the investigation of President Joe Biden when he was not president or vice president. But anyway, during his breathing period, started to say his life. I don't know that he is still alive, but nevertheless, they won't say that he had no right to do it and his handling all of this is multiple credible criminal law-breaking. So what's going to happen? We're going to watch it. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you remember her? She was a press secretary for former President Donald Trump. Really good at doing that. Now she went home to Arkansas, where she's from. She ran for governor. She was elected. And she's moving around and making noises at the national level. She is actually in the line of being a suspected possible vice presidential candidate. Uh, candidate running along with Donald Trump. We'll have to wait and see what happens there, but she is succinct when she talks about what Joe Biden is doing to her state 
and the rest of the nation with just simply being Joe Biden. Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders joins me now. Governor, why is it so hard to deport people who don't belong here, who kick cops and drive drunks and steal my grandma's social security number? Because we have a president who absolutely doesn't care that millions and millions of people are coming across our border illegally. He has the power to shut the border down, to stop it. He can reinstate the remain in Mexico policy. He could actually build the wall. There are a lot of things that he could be doing. And this simply is a complete and total failure by this administration. In the state of Arkansas alone, we seized enough fentanyl in the last year to kill every single person in our entire state. That's nearly 3 million people, every man, woman, and child. Enough fentanyl just in this state alone. It is an absolute disgrace what this president is doing, and it's another great example. While in November he has to go and Donald Trump has to be put back in place so we can secure our border and get our country back. Do you think Joe Biden loves this country? If he did, he certainly wouldn't be trying to destroy it second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour. But that's exactly what he's doing. He's allowed our economy to drop. He's allowed our border to completely collapse. Our enemies certainly don't fear us. Our allies don't respect us. Literally every single thing he does is at the destruction and demise of the people in this country. And I think it is frankly, totally disgraceful and disqualifying for him to be president of the United States if he cannot do the simple job of securing our border, either at the south or the north. I don't know if you're aware of this, Governor, because you're so busy governing, but your name's popped up a couple times as someone that Trump might be considering as VP. Would you be open to that? Like you said, I'm pretty busy governing here in Arkansas. I absolutely love my job, and I hope that I have the opportunity to do it for the next seven years. I'm going to do everything I can to help President Trump get elected, but I'm really happy back home in Arkansas right now. Okay, not sure how I'm interpreting that. That answer confused me, um, but I guess it was politically well said. Governor, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse, for having me on. How does anybody govern in a company, in a country, where the CEO of the country doesn't give a rip about the rule of law, doesn't give a rip about the laws, period, or the processes that we're supposed to use that lawmakers and others in leadership through centuries have relied on to make the United States what it is today, and they just turn their back on it. Joe Biden doesn't give a rip about the rule of law. We could spend a whole day, I could give you the verbatim details of every one of the executive orders that he's issued. 90 plus percent of them are in direct contradiction to federal law that's on the books. How can anybody that believes in what the United States of America is all about has been since its foundation, its inception as a nation, And he just doesn't give a rip about it. I often wonder why the Democrat Party supported him to run him against Donald Trump and to do whatever it was that was necessary to get him elected. And I think it comes down to one thing. 
They don't give a rip about the rule of law. They don't give a rip about the Constitution. And they can say whatever they want to to try to degrade what I just said. But their actions say exactly what I just said about them is true. If they were for the rule of law, supporting the rule of law, supporting the Constitution, guess what? They do it. Maybe they're using Joe Biden as their pawn to kick against all of that stuff without them getting mixed up in the fray like Joe Biden is dominating every day now. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They would rather have someone else take the hits that come along with it. And using Joe Biden as nothing more than a placeholder, let's see how much damage he can do to conservatism which is what we want to get away from because we don't want conservatives here. They actually believe in power to the people, that this is government of the people, by the people, and for the people in the United States when we know it's not and we want to make it worse. We need somebody to come in there and just slide us down that hill just a little further, and then we'll find somebody to come in and just finish tearing it up. I really believe that. I'm not just saying it because we're on this show. Let me give you another example of Biden being a tyrant, being a fascist. The Biden administration finalized more regulations. That is a regulation machine, is Joe Biden's White House. More regulations that severely tighten restrictions on fine particulate matter that the manufacturing and energy sections are legally allowed to emit. That's an action that the industry said would have devastating economic consequences. The Environmental Protection Agency, we all know it as the EPA, they unveiled some regulations yesterday morning in a joint announcement with environmental activists that say limiting particular particulate matter, certain types known as PM 2.5 or soot, soot, would have health benefits for Americans nationwide. The rulemaking lowers the annual PM 2.5 standard from a level of 12 micrograms per cubic meter to a level of nine micrograms per cubic meter. In other words, what would that be from 12 to nine? Two-thirds. Today's action is a critical step forward that will better protect workers, families, and communities from the dangerous and costly impacts of fine particle pollution. That's coming from Michael Regan, who's the EPA administrator. Science is clear, he said. Soot pollution is one of the most dangerous forms of air pollution, and it's linked to a range of serious and potentially deadly illnesses, including asthma and heart attacks. In other words, they're doing this. Joe Biden's doing it in the name of righteousness and goodness to help us protect our health. Meanwhile, it's going to throw a bunch of people out of work, businesses also shutting down. Riggin continued, he said, the stronger standard is designed to ensure clear, routine pathways for industry to continue to upgrade and build while maintaining cleaner, healthier, 
air. Sounds like a novel idea. But haven't we discovered long ago in your lifetime and mine that there must be some margins in the middle of every such thing that we negotiate and that our government puts in place for us? Why? Very few things are absolute. Partly because of what the people want, maybe even bigger than that is what part of the country they're from and what it takes to live in those country areas, the city areas, the desert areas, where everything regarding everything is different. It's really stupid for anybody at the top of a business, a state, a nation, to think there is one ironclad set of things that apply to every person, every operation, every entity, every country, every school, everything has to be cookie cutter of the thing right next to it. It can't work. It can't function that way. It's almost like the Biden administration thinks that They need to dumb everything down for their purposes. They can't understand or work with it. So they just said, let's just make it all the same. We call that socialism slash communism slash totalitarianism, whatever you want to call it. There's a bunch of different names for it. But once again, Joe Biden, I guarantee you, doesn't have a clue about this. But he okayed it. Why would he okay it? He doesn't have a clue what it is or what it says, and he doesn't care. Somebody that runs him, somebody that runs him, told him what to say and what to do. I'm serious. That's exactly what's going on. Jesse Waters, sometimes I really like what Jesse has to say on his show. He's kind of funny. Um, sometimes not funny, but he also has a propensity to digging up some really important things that many others in the media miss. I'm not saying the media missed what you're about to hear. I didn't miss it, but some people did. And it's about our president, Joe Biden. And maybe, maybe what you hear here will be kind of an explanation for why he would sign on to this stupid piece of, it's not even legislation. It's a policy that Joe Biden is going to put out, and it's going to ruin millions of people's lives because it's going to cost a buttload full of money for these manufacturers to implement all of this. And where is that money they have to spend in addition? Where is it going to come from? They're going to raise their prices. I mean, that's what it's all about. Why have a business if you're not going to make money. Only two ways to get to a bottom line in a business, and that is the price the price you sell something for, goods or services, compared to the money you've spent in developing the goods or product you're selling. And neither one of those sits in a vacuum. They both work together. Cost and price. Listen to this with Jesse Waters. Yesterday, the media declared that the Biden presidency was in peril. And today, Biden proved why. 
He was asked about hostage negotiations in Gaza. Listen. There is some movement, and I don't want to, I don't want to, well, maybe choose my words. There's some movement. There's been a response from the, uh, the, the there's been a response from the opposition. But, um, it, it, yes, I'm sorry, from Hamas. But it seems to be uh, a little over the top. So that's right there, the reason why he's dodging the traditional Super Bowl interview. Even softballs from CBS are too risky. And now a new NBC poll says three-quarters of the country say Biden doesn't have the necessary mental and physical health to be president. On Sunday, the president said he just met with the French prime minister, who's been dead for 30 years. Right after I was elected, I went to what they call a G7 meeting, all the NATO leaders. And I sat down and I said, America's back. And Mitterrand from Germany, I mean, from France, looked at me and said, uh, said, you know, why, why, how, how long are you back for? Biden sees dead people. But don't you dare ask Binder about it. How is President Biden ever going to convince the three quarters of voters who are worried about his physical and mental health that he is okay, even though in Las Vegas he told a story about recently talking to a French president who died in 1996? I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole with you, what? sir. What is We're the gonna rabbit go. hole? Go ahead. He said he talked to Mitterrand. Go ahead. In you saw the president in Vegas, in California. You've seen the president in South Carolina. You saw him in Michigan. I'll just leave it there. Uh, saw him and still in peril. Now, America's cities are being mismanaged into oblivion. A cauldron of homelessness, drug addicts, street crime and migrants, plus traffic. That's the real killer. And you're not allowed to notice the chaos because if you do, you're racist. Have you ever seen this much chocolate leading the city of New York? And then go down the line. Look, look who's here. This is representative of the city. That's why people are hating on me. We still have public safety that we have to address. We still have the unhoused that we have to address. I still have a budget that I have to address. And I'm doing all of that with a black wife raising three black children on the west side of the city of Chicago. So the predominantly minority populations of New York and Chicago elected mayors of color. And the loudest critics of mayors of color aren't white. They're black. Eric Adams, you need to not put drugs in our community. I mean, if you want to put something here, put something for the kids to learn. You should be looking out for the people in New York. So that means the homeless people. There's a lot of people out here that needs food, uh, places to sleep. Right now, a lot of these elected officials are disrespecting the people here in Chicago with uh, this migrant overload. We don't have enough resources. We don't have enough teachers. There's, uh, we, we keep hearing there's not enough money, but then we spend a billion dollars helping people who... Um, don't live here. Black mayors spreading migrants into black neighborhoods is making people crazy. Plus, we were told black people can't be racist, so put the race card away. This is a pattern that started with Obama. Remember, if you were against Obamacare, racist. If you didn't want them to redistribute your wealth and bail out the banks, racist. From Fannie to Kamala, from Bush to Fire Marshal Bowman, apparently only white politicians can be criticized legitimately. God, wasn't it them that attacked this lawyer of impeccable credentials? 
The black man I chose has been a judge more than 10 years. This country has a history of characterizing black men who are outspoken, who stand their ground, and who push back as being threatening or intimidating. So she's not even using a dog whistle. She's using a bullhorn to put a target on my back. Don't let a fascist tell you what we, being woke means. Be woke. Don't be anti-black. He believes that your popularity or uh, unpopularity or whatever rating you want to put it as is a function of sexism and racism. Do you think that's true? Well, are we talking about the media or people? As it relates to the media, I'm sure some of that is true. So for too long, black politicians have neutralized fair criticism of their policy stewardship by playing the race card and impugning the motives of fair-minded Americans who are merely yearning for results, frightening them into silence because nothing's as scalding as the race card. As if de Blasio, DeSantis, Newsom, Cheney, and Trump, all white guys, aren't under constant attack over their performance. Some fair, some not. So today, primetime will be retiring the race card and playing other cards, cards that probably won't work, but will be fun playing. It's just as simple. Let's just use race, calling somebody racist, talking about racism. It seems like the woke crown, they found their way to take care of racism. They found a tool that will eliminate racism. They're tired. The black people, not all black people, but a big consensus, the ones that are so vocal and loud and they get a microphone or a television camera and they go to town. The tool that they're using and they tell us, we've got it figured out. We are woke. You heard that one young lady say that. Go woke. You go woke, you've got all your answers. And the answer within wokeism for racism is to attack that racism with racism. That's right. If you're going to be racist, we can be bigger, badder, and stronger racist than you could ever think you could be. You're white. We're African-American. We know racism inside and out, and we're going to end your racism by attacking you with racism so you can feel exactly what we feel. How did we get to this point in our lives where this is normalized? As a matter of fact, look at the other things in our society today that are acceptable. I mean, it's gotten just downright stupid. Whoever came up with the idea that it's even biologically possible to change your gender? Oh, there's a group that say all you have to do is identify as something else and bam, you're that something else. It doesn't matter if it's actually physically possible or not. You can be anything you want to be. And then on top of that, then especially if you're from the right minority, you can force everybody else into agreeing with you and believing and acting with you along the ideas that you come up with, even though they may be ridiculous and impossible to even figure. That doesn't matter. This is the United States of America. We all get to do what we want to do. We get all think about anything. And because we think about it, and we think it's this way or that way, well, dadgummit, everybody else has to agree with us. 
Where in the heck did that come from? It doesn't matter where it came from. What matters is where we are with it right now. And it's not good. We don't get accurate information from our government. And we find out every few days again and again and again the reason and the way they are doing it is purposeful. And they don't care if we know it. They know there's only a certain percent of the people on the other side of where they are in their mindset. Only a small group of people will actually take the time, look into, investigate, look under the covers, find out what the facts are, and come back with a realistic, honest explanation for what these people are saying and doing. They know that. They know a large majority won't. They're too lazy. They don't care. They just want to be part of the in crowd, so they'll just go with the flow. Think about having that, let's say, in a company you started years ago, and it got really successful and grew. It got really big. More and more people come there to work, and they come there to work because they have a great product or services. It's priced efficiently, and people want it. And so you produce whatever's necessary and you put it in the hands of the people and everybody wins, wins, wins. They don't care about any of that. None of that matters. In fact, in their world, being successful at that business venture, whatever it is, and it doesn't matter if it's service, if it's products, if it's agriculture, science, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. If it's successful because the people in it are doing the right things and making it successful, a majority of these woke people, they attack it because there's got to be something inside of it that is not equitable. We've got to make everything equal for everybody. That's called socialism. You take that to the extreme, like many on the streets today that are perpetrating all of these eagle acts, tearing big cities apart, attacking people, unprovoked, no reason to do it, breaking in, stealing billions of dollars of other people's stuff that never did anything to warrant that. You expect those people to listen to reason? And then, of course, on the other foot, you destroy the rule of law. You attack the law enforcement community. You diminish them. Crime just goes through the roof. Nobody's safe anywhere, even in living in their own house by themselves. Nobody's safe. Anybody in this woke crowd and environment in which we find ourselves living, anybody can do anything to anybody else and not pay a price for it. Why? Because it's okay. They did it because they wanted to do. Is there an end to this? That's what I'd like somebody in the know to tell me. Somebody in it, tell me about it. Something just came up a minute ago I want to weigh in on. You know, we talked about this border security supplemental package that those senators put together. It's supposed to be brought forward to be voted on today. I'm not sure if it will. But Senator Mike Lee from Utah, I think he's probably headed someday to the United States Supreme Court. He is a constitutional expert. He's conservative, but he's right down the line. He's not a a guy that uh, 
jokes about anything to do with the law or what law and law-breaking do in the United States of America. He is literally right down the line. Last night, he was on the Laura Ingram's show, and they got together, and he explained that this border deal that Democrats have put together with the help of some Republicans is going to die and he explained why. Listen to this. Senator, uh, your message tonight to your Republican colleagues who still might be holding out hope that some version of this bill will ultimately get passed. Well, first of all, if they have any questions about it, they should go to killtheporterbill.com to have any questions answered. Uh, but, Laura, this thing is going to die. It's going to die not because Republicans are petulant and they don't want to solve the border, it's going to die because, number one, we know that Joe Biden created this border crisis. That's why we have this humanitarian disaster unfolding on our southern border. It is not for want of adequate legislative authority that this happened. It is because Joe Biden has defiantly, willfully refused to enforce the border. Now, I know that he and all of his little friends in both parties uh, wanted this to be a namaste moment and everybody would just bow and hug and support their bill, thinking that we wouldn't read it. But we read it, Laura, and what we found was quite discouraging. What we found was consistent with uh, concerns we had over time because this was negotiated over a three or four month period. For reasons I can't fathom, uh, people negotiating for us as Senate Republicans refused to share details with us of the legislation. We couldn't see text. We didn't see text. Why did they do that? Monday night when it was released through yeah, the why media. Why did they do that, Senator? I don't Tell know me why. Was that good faith? No, you, you know why. You, was it good faith? It was not. It was not good faith because the firm, the law firm of Schumer and McConnell has learned over time that if it can negotiate a bill in secret and keep the peasants, by that I mean other senators from seeing it uh, until the last possible minute, they can pass it, especially if they move it forward uh, just days or even hours before some artificially in contrived deadline that they themselves have arranged, that sometimes they can trick members into passing it, even though they haven't had adequate time to read it, even though it's seen no time before the committee, even though there's been no time to offer, much less vote on amendments. It's worked for them over and over and over again. But you know what, Laura? They've played this note so many times that it's not working anymore. And this is glorious. This is a wonderful thing because the American people and those they've elected mm. are smarter than this. And they know Senator, that when it comes to something as essential as border security, we're not going to put up with this. No, 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 no more heavy footing the populace. It's not happening. It's just not. They're, they're, those days are over. McConnell has got to wake up to that. Or obviously it's a political wake or it's a wake up call. Senator, I would like your um, reaction to what happened in the House of Representatives tonight. This effort to impeach Alejandro Mayorkas uh, over the border issue, ironically, the border dereliction and what's been done at the border uh, at his direction, but ultimately at Biden's direction. Do you believe that Alejandro Mayorkas should be impeached for his actions? Oh, of course I do. He has defiantly refused to enforce our border, and it's had grave consequences for American national security. I was down on the border just a few weeks ago in McAllen, Texas, a place where I lived for two years as a young missionary. 
And I was really distressed by what I saw there and what I learned there. These are not just people coming in from Latin America. These are people who are coming from places like Afghanistan and Syria and China, all kinds of places. And they're coming over, uh, you know, about 10 million people. But we've known this. Just since yeah, January well, 20th, 2021. But Senator, why is this? And, my my we, point here, and you, you're, a former, you're a former clerk of the Supreme Court. You know this. The ultimate person here is Biden. Mayorkas is just the stooge yeah. carrying out the orders, right? So I, I don't really, I mean, I can't stand what Mayorkas has done. I think it's a disgrace and it's reprehensible. Sure. But why isn't it Biden that's impeached? Why Mayorkas? He's just a, he's just a member of the cabinet. They're going to well, put another Mayorkas in. I, uh, we should impeach both of them because I agree with you. They're, they're both at fault. Ultimately, the buck stops with the president. It's not inappropriate to impeach yeah. Mayorkas because he invited this. I mean, from the early days of the administration, he was already telling the cartel, signaling to them through the news media. Yeah, well, I, what I'd say to yeah, those traveling Biden's up in the, the caravans one. is it's going to take Biden. us a few weeks. Yeah, Senator, um, you've been yeah, a great I, leader on this border bill. We really appreciate all your factual analysis. I think it really had a huge effect on sinking this travesty. Thank you. So you heard that from Mike Lee. Laura Ingram, who is an attorney herself, she clerked before the Supreme Court when she was uh, getting her law career put together. So they're both very learned about the court and how they operate and why and what should be done at specific times. We may not be there yet, but we may see the U.S. Supreme Court get involved in this stuff sooner or later. Well, Chuck Schumer, the majority leader in the U.S. Senate from New York, as you know, he's not quitting, he's not backing down. Latest thing that's come out of D.C. this morning is that he's got another thing on his mind. If this one does go down in flames, which it looks like it is, and he didn't even say anything about when he's going to bring it to the floor and try to get a vote on it. So just days after the long-awaited text of that border bill was finally released so everybody could see it, it's on track to die after its first procedural vote in the Senate today is going to happen. However, Senate Majority Leader Schumer has got a backup plan. Listen to this. According to a Senate Democrat aide, Schumer told the caucus he's planning to put the supplemental package. Remember, it includes billions of dollars of aid to Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, and humanitarian assistance to Gaza to put it on the floor without the border security portion of the legislation after the expected failure cloture vote on whether or not to take up the whole bill and even discuss it. Schumer told members of his caucus and the White House last week that if the Republicans scuttled the border and supplemental agreement, he has prepared a plan to use the motion to reconsider to force Republicans to vote on the foreign aid without the border being included. Now keep in mind, Republicans, they presented their own complete bill nine months ago, and it included both. And they made it very clear from the beginning, they still keep trumpeting it from the mountaintop. No foreign aid in this bill without border control taking care of our southern border first. 
And Americans, many are asking this question. They're wanting us to give billions to Ukraine, to Israel, to Taiwan, and other issues out there. Their borders, their success, their survival is more important than is that of the United States and its citizens. Mike Johnson again yesterday, House Speaker said, that bill, this Senate border bill, is dead on arrival. It's not going to be voted on in the House. So James Langford, Kirsten Cinema, Chris Murphy, they're the ones that put this whole thing together and authored it. And I don't know where they were coming from. James Langford, he's a very conservative Republican from Oklahoma. He's always been very sensible. And he actually got out on the stump on Monday and tried to convince everybody it's a good bill. It is crap. There are so many things that are buried within it that make absolutely no sense other than the Democrats want to take the giant step that they haven't yet taken to push us more towards totalitarian government and one political party getting all the power and making all the decisions. And apparently James Lankford signed off on that. McConnell, his big thing in it all, and it's funny to me, but it's one thing and one thing only, aid to Ukraine. We're not going to be able to make a law, he said. They're reluctant to go forward. There are other parts of this supplemental that are extremely important as well. Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan. He said, we still, in my view, tackle the rest of it because it's important. Not that the border isn't important, but we can't get an outcome. So that's where I think we ought to head up Senator Schumer to decide how to repackage this if, in fact, we don't hold on to it. Schumer told reporters, by the way, at their weekly press conference yesterday, the package is so important for the security of America at the border for the security of Ukraine and Israel. When asked if the Senate would consider repackaging foreign aid provisions and move forward on just those items without the border bill, I'll tell you, that and what he is saying they would do and would support, he's lying through his teeth. Remember? Republicans did a single Israel bill only. In other words, what Mike Johnson, the House Speaker, was saying, we want to do all of this litigation in Congress. We want to do it in regular order. Now, what does that mean? One bill about one issue at a time. Don't lump them together into what has been called now, and we see it almost every year, an omnibus bill that they tell us going in, here's what the omnibus bill is going to be about. And then when you start reading the fine print, yeah, what they said it would include maybe a little bitty part of it, but there are hundreds of other parts of it that they're trying to ram down the Americans' throats, and it's all about giving money away. Ukraine and its success is more important than our southern border? Tell that to the moms and dads of those 100,000 each year since Joe Biden's been in office who died at the hands 
of Chinese fentanyl that is coming across the southern border. Tell those moms and dads it's no big deal. That it's more important we give money to Israel and Ukraine and Taiwan and anybody else on the planet. When they've lost their kid because in most cases they're not trying to take drugs. They're given something. They ask a friend for a Tylenol or something like that. And the person that they ask and gives it is typically innocent as could be. But the Chinese have flooded our United States through our southern border, enough fentanyl to kill every person in the United States of America. Do you realize that? That should be enough inspiration for Joe Biden to simply enforce the laws that are there now. None of this, none of this would be happening, would have happened if he would do that one thing. And so ask yourself the question, why? Why won't he do it? What is so important to him and his fellow Democrats that they don't even care about all these people that are dying? 300,000. Oh, my God. These are the people that swore an oath to take care of us, to keep us safe. That's the number one thing, Joe Biden and his oath of office. The number one thing is that whoever's there protects the American people. That's not happening. In fact, the exact opposite is. Sadly, we just learned there's a desperate search underway for a missing U.S. Navy helicopter in the San Diego area of California. At least five Marines are on board the aircraft. The helicopter took off from Creech Air Force Base near Las Vegas last night, was heading to the Marine Corps Air Station in Miramar when it went missing. California Fire said a call came in at 2.20 a.m. local time about the missing chopper. It's one of those big ones, kind of like Air Force 3. I think that's what they call the uh, presidential helicopter. No, they call it Marine One. It's one of those really big ones. It's a CH-53E Super Stallion helicopter. Last time it was reported seen was north of I-8 and Kitchen Road southeast of Descanso outside of San Diego. The area is currently covered in snow. Obviously, that makes the search much more difficult. Sheriff's Department said it received a call shortly before 2 in the morning and sent its own helicopter out to search, but the aircraft couldn't reach the area because of severe weather system hitting the region. Usually, if this hadn't, these people, this helicopter hadn't showed up by now, you can expect it's going to be bad news, and we hate that. Just keep that in mind. We'll let you know as soon as we hear anything what really happened. Our buddy Jonathan Turley. Turley has laid out an understanding of how appeals ruling in the Trump case was actually a win for Trump's legal team. I thought you'd like to hear this. It's a perspective. Jonathan Turley is a very successful and good constitutional attorney, but sometimes he gets it wrong. He's a law professor at George Washington University, and late yesterday he explained that former President Donald Trump's legal team actually had a big win 
with that appeals decision striking down his claims of presidential immunity. If that would have been upheld, the presidential immunity, it would have stated that he could not be, because he was a president when all these alleged things that he did happened, that he had immunity when they happened, even though it hadn't been proved he's the one that initiated any of it. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit, obviously that's Washington, D.C., and they're all in the tank for anything and everything that's anti-Trump. They rule Trump cannot assert immunity from prosecution in relation to the ongoing case regarding the 2020 election. Trump was indicted by special counsel Jack Smith for allegedly seeking to overturn the 2020 election, though Trump argued he had constitutional immunity from prosecution. It's a three-judge panel, and they rejected Trump's claim yesterday. Turley, though, Jonathan Turley, he said Trump's team was actually successful in filing this appeal initially because it bought them some time. The most practical impact of this appeal was indeed in the delay that it caused. It was very important for the Trump team to try to push this trial back. They succeeded in doing that, as you mentioned, Turley said. Now, the next stage here is that they can ask for a review of the entire court, what's called an on-bank petition. That has to be reviewed and voted on even if they reject it, and that's going to take some time. And then they'll no doubt appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, which is now has a considerable stack on the desk of these justices, including election-related cases. This appeals panel ruled that Trump has become citizen Trump with all of the defenses of any other criminal defendant. But any executive immunity that may have protected him while he served as president no longer protects him against this prosecution. Smith had originally tried to fast-track Trump's presidential immunity claims to the Supreme Court, skipping over this appeals court in December, and the Supreme Court justices denied that request. He was doing so simply because he is desperate to get Trump convicted of something, get him convicted of something and sentenced before the November election that's coming up. I thought, maybe they told us over and over again, they being the Democrats, every time it gets close to an election time, they come out when fingers point at any Democrat that's in power at any level about prosecution. They make this statement over and over again. I've heard it hundreds of times. We, the Department of Justice, we as policy, not as law, but as policy, In an election cycle, we do not go after, indict, or investigate a politician. It will impact unfavorably, usually, on the results of that election. We're just not going to do that. Boy, the exact opposite of that is true now. Joe Biden has this guy, and this is the first time in history that a sitting president has actually weaponized his Department of Justice, against the leading candidate in the opposition party that's running against him to be president again. And they just blow it off. Can you imagine 
the distraction, the noise, the squealing, the hollering and crying and wailing of gnashing of teeth, if this had happened the other way? What if they, somebody out there, had gone after Joe Biden while he was president and some prosecutor, federal prosecutor somewhere, got a bee under his bonnet and he decided to go after Joe Biden and indicted him during an election cycle. What do you think they'd be screaming around the whole nation? You can't do that. We have a tradition. We don't prosecute people, politicians, political, any kind of litigation during an election cycle. Well, guess what? It's not constitutional. There's nothing in the Constitution that says you can't do it. Shouldn't Nothing even says you shouldn't do it. Two rules of law in the United States. Anybody that tells you they're not two, spit at them. Be ready to defend yourself, <laughs> but spit at them because they don't know what they're talking about. Now, more than ever, it is so obvious to all of us that this is an attempt to do away with a political opponent so that you don't have to face him at the ballot box. That's exactly what's going on. Hey, guys. Thanks for being here with us today. We're going to be back tomorrow, same time. If you missed part of the show, download the podcast, TNN Live Today. And we'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Listen. Mm-hmm.